Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Girl Podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you all. We've been on a couple week break from the Healthy Girl Podcast, but in the meantime, I have been recording some incredible episodes. I don't know if you've realized, but I have been doing a couple more pregnancy focused podcasts for two reasons. One, I find a lot of you are super interested because maybe you're wanting to start a family. Maybe you uh, are trying to conceive, whether you're pregnant, postpartum, already have kids, want another one. I just find that a lot of you are very, very into the pregnancy content. And I'm going through my own pregnancy journey right now. So I have been wanting to talk to top experts in the space to bring you the best information possible so that you can be informed throughout your pregnancy. I think there's so much information out there that we don't know or that, you know, isn't common knowledge. I think, you know, long story short, in my pregnancy and throughout my pregnancy, I have experienced a lot of discomfort, a lot of pain, uh, and these are things that... I think are considered common, right? Like having problems sleeping, hip pain, uh, lower back pain is super common in pregnancy. Pubic pain is really common in pregnancy. Having, uh, you know, insomnia and all of those kinds of things are common, but they're not necessarily normal. And a lot of it, a lot of the pain can be caused from pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, it can be caused from, you know, one, your body's changing a lot to accommodate your growing baby, which can create some dysfunction in your pubic bone, which can cause pain, uh, changes things in your back and how you know your organs are moving around. So everything's a little bit wonky, but it doesn't mean that you need to suffer and it doesn't mean that you need to be in pain, which is something that I learned, I'm trying to think, in my like second trimester, I was telling my doula all about all my pregnancy pains. And she's like, I think you need to see one, a prenatal chiropractor who like really specializes in pregnancy, but you also need to see a pelvic floor therapist, AKA physical therapist who specializes in the care of, you know, pregnant and postpartum women. And I was like, I don't even know how to go about finding that kind of person. She goes, I have the perfect person for you. She is like the go-to. Her name's Dr. Kat Vigo. And long story short, she um, she started this amazing physical therapy practice um, where she specializes in pregnant and postpartum women. And I started to see her and her team. And it's actually so nice. They're like a concierge service and they literally come to your house, which is just a bonus on top of everything. But getting physical therapy while pregnant has been so life-changing and has alleviated so much of my pain, so many of my problems and discomforts that I've been experiencing. Uh, I Starting at about like 12 weeks, was experiencing pubic pain, like these sharp pains in my pubic bone, lower back pain, uh, just really uncomfortable sleepless nights because my body was just so uncomfortable. I'm 5'2", so I'm pretty uh, petite. So putting all this weight on and carrying a baby has been really hard on my body. And going to physical therapy that is meant for uh, pregnant women and, you know, that's 
been designed and like everything that they've done and all of their methods are specific for a pregnant woman's body and everything's customized and it's just been amazing. So I told Dr. Vigo, I'm like, you have to come on my podcast. You have to share with all of my healthy girl besties the tea on physical therapy and pregnancy and postpartum and how beneficial it can be. But also, you know, she talks about, you know, if you can't, let's say, find a physical therapist, let's say your insurance doesn't cover it, or maybe you can't uh, afford it at this time. We talk about all of the free things that you can do and all the things that you can just do in your lifestyle to prevent pain and to prevent suffering. So this episode is really filled with so much information and let me just, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Dr. Kat, tell you everything that we kind of talk about, and then we'll we'll get into it. I don't want to waste any more time. But again, today's guest is Dr. Kat Vigo. She is a physical therapist who specializes in the care of pregnant and postpartum women, as well as pelvic floor therapy. She is the founder of Painless Pregnancy, where she and her team are committed to making every effort to prevent and treat all unnecessary pain and suffering from pregnancy-related changes in the body. We talk about everything from the most common complaints and pains in pregnancy and how to treat and prevent them. We talk about the best forms of exercise and what exercises to avoid. I know there's a lot of confusion about like what exercises are safe during pregnancy, whether you can continue the exercises you were doing, whether you're allowed to do intense workouts, can you still do yoga? Can you, you know, play a sport? There's just a lot of confusion about that. So she clears the air there. We also talk about listening to your gut and being your own advocate during labor and birth, which, you know, Dr. Kat, Vigo can speak on because she had kind of a traumatic birth experience with her first son and we'll get more into that and you'll you'll hear her full story but I think that's so important to learn about and to know before you give birth is learning how to be your own advocate and we we go deep into that we talk about whether pregnant women are as fragile as we think We talk about things that we think are normal during pregnancy, but really aren't, how to have better posture, the best positions to give birth in, and so much more. We really dive into all of these topics, and there is just so much valuable information in this episode, and again, so many free things that you can do and tips that you can just incorporate into your lifestyle right now that'll just help you so, so much if you're pregnant or postpartum, so Without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hi, Dr. Vigo. Welcome to the Healthy Girl Podcast. Thank you, Danielle. I'm super excited to be here. I can't wait to chat with you. You you really like have created this incredible business, Painless Pregnancy, and I really found you when I needed you most. Yes. I mean, as my listeners know, I'm now almost nine months pregnant, which is so yeah crazy. Um, time has really flown, but I, I myself had started kind of experiencing pubic pain and back pain. And I was having a lot of pain while sleeping, horrible heartburn in the middle of the night that would wake me up. Um, just all of these pregnancy symptoms that I didn't really expect, you know, you kind of hear that you get uncomfortable, but I really didn't realize like how much pain and discomfort I would be in. So I mentioned this to my doula and they were like, 
oh my God, you, you have to go see Kat. You have to go see Dr. Vigo. And, um, they're like, she's going to help you. She helps pregnant women. She has this amazing physical therapy, but I'm like, pregnant women can get physical therapy. I really, I had, I had no clue. I haven't been to physical therapy in general, but I didn't know that, you know, you could get physical therapy while you're pregnant and use it as, you know, almost preventative and use it throughout your pregnancy to have an easier pregnancy. But I, I want to, I want to kind of go back to your story and I guess start with your story because I think that it probably has a lot to do with what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny, you can really specialize in so many different things in physical therapy and I never thought of women's health or pelvic floor or obstetrics as something that I was even remotely interested in until I got pregnant. And, um, I really, so my son is 11 now and I had a a pretty textbook pregnancy, nothing too concerning. Um, and then with my delivery, that's where a lot of what I perceived as my, you could say my control, but like my ownership over that event of my birth as being completely taken from me. Um, I was recommended strongly at 39 weeks to have an induction because my baby was big. He was measuring eight and a half pounds. Um, and so, which isn't that big. It's really not. It's really not. Um, so that was the recommendation. I think he gave me like the next day, go to the hospital. This is what you're going to do. So my husband and I just obeyed and we went in and every step of my delivery was done for me. So I was induced at 39 weeks. Um, and throughout that process ended up having a series of interventions, And the hardest one for me to deal with was the fact that he gave me an episiotomy proactively. So baby was not even crowning and he um, did a little snip of my pelvic floor and that completely tore as the baby came out. And so I was 27 years old with a fourth degree tear. And so for anyone who has visuals here, um, you can see with my pelvic model, that's really going from the bottom of that vaginal opening through the rectal sphincter. So that tissue, all of that was a big tear. It's a pretty big tear. Yeah. Yeah. I remember every nurse that came in as they were uh, switching shifts, they would stand in the corner of my room with the chart and be like, and she has a fourth degree tear. And they'd go, Ooh, (laughs) like both of these women would cringe for me. And I was like, thanks guys. I can see you. Um, and so that journey of healing from that event, it was, it was just a game changer for me. Like it really made me understand one, how impactful your pelvic floor is to your overall function. Like how well I could stand up from a chair or how well I could walk afterwards. Um, so many aspects of my movement were impaired because of that. So, okay. So you start to kind of recover from this delivery. So maybe go over, what were the kinds of things that you were noticing that you were in pain from? Yeah. I mean, it was really everything from your basic, just having bowel movements was so horrifying. And I'm like a 27 year old healthy chick. I have no clue about this stuff. I mean, I had my doctorate, I had been a physical therapist for four years, but this specialty was not in my awareness at all. I mean, I did pediatrics, I did adults, I did shoulders and hips and knees. Um, so yeah, that was, It was an awful experience, but then it was awful just 
it was also just embarrassing. It was something I didn't almost tell anyone about. I can't even remember if I told the OB about it. Um, I remember walking was painful, um, just having that deep pain between my legs with anything more than probably a five to 10 minute walk. And this was all due to the tear or was it everything combined? Yeah, that's a great question. So really the tear and then the outcome from my epidural. So I just didn't have a great experience with the epidural. Um, I know some of my back pain was, I wouldn't say it makes sense to say it was from my epidural directly, but it was from how they held my legs for a prolonged time. Because I had an epidural, I didn't have that awareness of, can you put my legs down for a moment? You know, I need to move, those kinds of things. While you were pushing, they held your legs for a long time. Correct. How long would you say? Nah, I think I pushed for an hour and a half with him. It's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. It might have been longer. I don't remember. (laughs) He's a big boy now. Um, So yes, just that prolonged position of my hips left me with a lot of discomfort. Um, And then I know, you know, returning to workouts, like I used to work out like crazy at that age and just being aware of how limited I was or how it was not an option to go back to the weights where I was before. So did you seek out therapies yourself to get yourself better? Were you kind of using your own physical therapy knowledge? Like how did you get from being in pain and kind of suffering to then healing and feeling better? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I wish I could say I was resourceful back then, but I wasn't. Um, And like I said, I was more just embarrassed and really like went inward with all of it. Um, And so... I probably did use some of my physical therapy knowledge as far as stretches, postures, positioning, um, but nothing specific to that pelvic floor. I really did not seek out the care that I should have gotten. It was not even remotely recommended to me. Like it was just out of my awareness. Um, And so really what brought me into this is my, one of my closest friends and a colleague, um, Dr. Luli, she runs the Miami branch of painless pregnancy and she outdid me with her first birth story with her son, who's 15 now. Um, and so she had a decent amount of trauma and her baby had trauma. And so she dragged myself and another friend to a pregnancy course when my son was 18 months old. 15 months old, something like that. And that class that I took was an intensive one, a lot of studying before, testing afterwards. That experience is what brought to the forefront of my awareness the extent to which I should have had help. And that's when I was like, oh, get out of town. Like, I shouldn't have dealt with that on my own. And that's a real tragedy. And then I really, going through those courses, understood that so many other women on so many other levels really deserve to have that attention and care. And so that's really when it transitioned from my issue with the healing to knowing that it was kind of like my new calling for my career. So you were already practicing physical therapy, but then you decided to make this shift into specializing in pregnant women and postpartum women Yep. based on your experience. Yep. So let's dive in. You now help, I mean, countless pregnant women and women who are postpartum. What are the most common complaints you hear from pregnant women? Yeah, the most common complaints from pregnant women. Um, So I would say pain. 
I would say things hurting that just shouldn't hurt. Um, pubic symphysis pain is one of the top ones. And then SI joint, low back pain would be right up there with it. Mm-hmm. And so we would lump all those together in pelvic ring dysfunction. So that whole ring of the pelvis, whether it's your pubic bone in the front or the SI joints in the back, one of those joints isn't performing well. And just with the way the pelvis widens and thickens, and then the ever-growing weight of that uterus is just a perfect storm for either of those categories. Um, And then, of course, we have all kinds of other things from, um, you know, leaking, uh, leaking gas, urine, or bowel beyond your control, pain with intercourse. Um, Our pregnant women will call with concerns about diastasis. They say their pregnant belly looks like a triangle or like a football's coming out of it. I, yeah, I am, I am a member of the cone club. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's a big club. It's a big club. Um, and so, yeah, that's some of the primary complaints that they'll come to us with. And how do you go about helping them? Like what, what do you, well, I guess let's start with back pain and, and what you, what you do for that. Yep. Okay. I love that question. Um, so pregnant women with back pain, the way we go about it is very holistic. And so that is truly head to toe and that's mind, body, and soul. So essentially the head to toe is looking at them in all positions, how they're standing, how they're laying down, how they're sitting and understanding the way the spine stays statically and how it moves. And so that foundation of just your whole body and how it is, is step one. Um, and then we put our hands on the body. And so we see, are your joints moving? Um, are you contracting your muscles well? Is your soft tissue kind of shifted or are you harmonized? Um, and so what that looks like is a thorough assessment followed by a lot of hands-on work. So we do move the spine, we do move the hip joints, we do move the pelvic bones um, at where they meet each other. And then we release So we'll dig into some muscles, we'll stretch them, we'll position them, we'll put you in positions to breathe into spaces that are super tight. And then we tease out weak muscles. And this is everybody's favorite because they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I couldn't do that or I didn't know I was that weak. Um, But in all fairness, we pick out the ones that are just not performing well. And we get them harmonized or equal to their brothers on the other side. So whether that's right to left or front to back, So yeah, that's what we do. I think that one of the most important things, I mean, obviously you come and you do a physical therapy session, but I I mean, when you first came, you looked at one, how I was sleeping. Yes. You looked at how I was sitting in a chair. I showed you how I sit when I work. And I think, you know, those are the things that people are doing all the time. So if someone's at home, maybe let's start with sleep. What's like the best sleep position for pregnancy? Yeah, I love that question. Um, So with sleeping in pregnancy, I would say my number one rule is that make sure everything is supported in neutral. So a lot of our moms sleep in sideline. And so um, one, have like at least seven pillows available. (laughs) At least seven. (laughs) At least. It's like your bare minimum. So let's say you're sleeping on your left side. You have a good pillow under your head. We do recommend, um, you know, depending on the size of your ribs versus your hips, you do want to put a pillow under your rib cage. So that's like from armpit to the crest of your hip bone. And what's the benefit of that? Yeah. So that's going to help your ribs to not be shifted down when you lay on your side. 
So typically our pelvis is wider than our rib cage. And so when we lay down, the ribs go to the bed. And so then this part is flat against the bed and this part is shifted. And so that just causes a drop in your spine. And what kind of problems could that cause? Yeah, that's a great question. So when our spines are not lined up and we're a little bit shifted over to one side, it torques your SI joint in the back typically. So it's going to pull on whatever's the least restrictive structure. Um, So it could cause a little rotation in your actual spine and cause pain there. What we tend to see with pregnant women, I really think because of the belly. So you're laying on your side and your ribs are lower. So it pulls that way and it like opens up that top hip Mm -hmm. or really SI joint. And so it puts that prolonged pressure. You might be there for an hour, six hours. And then that space gets inflamed because it's overstretched or it's twisted. And could that cause rib pain too? Yes, absolutely. Yep. And so it's really just a consequence of your rib cage not being supported and ribs don't like that. And they're already being widened and stretched with that growing baby. So it's an extra stressor on the rib cage and it's like, I'm out, I'm pissed. You put me in a bad position for too long. So I have to, since you told me to put a pillow under my rib cage, because I obviously had a pillow under my head, like everyone does, but I would have never, ever thought to then have a second one uh, almost pretty much directly under my head pillow and supporting my rib cage. But I have to say, ever since you told me to do that, I've had zero heartburn at night. Yay. That's great. Isn't that crazy? Zero heartburn at night. Zero heartburn. So I think, I don't know, just the way maybe like my diaphragm or my stomach was positioned. Yep. I don't know, but I, I literally was waking up feeling like I was having heart attack almost. Like I could be like the heartburn was horrible. Mm -hmm. And ever since you told me that little tip, I would wait. I'm like, Ari, I didn't have heartburn today. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I think it's the pillow that she told me to put under my ribs. And I was having rib pain and I don't have rib pain. So I think, I mean, obviously it's a mix of like all the other physical therapy I'm doing, but sure, yeah, like it was a clear shift ever since I put that pillow under my ribs I've had a lot less pain okay so we have pillow under the head pillow under the ribs Mm -hmm. what else yep um depending on how far along you are you might want to put a pillow under the belly to support it um sometimes a wedge is super helpful because love a wedge right like smaller by your belly and wider as your belly rounds um and then I would say typically two pillows between the knees so that your knees and your feet are both equally apart from each other Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, The other secret sauce with sleeping is the heavy pillow behind your back. And so even if you're fully supported in sideline and you've got one, two, three, four, five, right? You want to know that you're not rolled too far forward or shifted too far back. So that heavy pillow behind your back, ideally from shoulder blades to your tailbone, is going to make sure that your ribs and your hips are equally stacked on top of each other. And the heavy pillow could be your partner if you, if you, if you want them to be. Yes, they can sleep back to back against you. Yeah. A lot of our moms will be like, that is too hot. Yes. I'm an oven already. Yeah. So you can put a cooling pillow between the two of you and then he can press up against that and you can be on the other side. Yeah, we, because at first I'm like, okay, Ari, like, let's try this. I need to have something supporting my back. And so we'll start off the night 
he'll sleep against me. And then like, I think just kind of as you sleep and it's like he moves away and I'm doing my own thing. But, um, I feel like now my body's trained to like stay in a certain position. Perfect. So I love that. And honestly, if I start to roll onto my back a little bit, Mm -hmm. it it hurts because like my stomach's so heavy. So I'll just, I think my body naturally will stay kind of centered. Yep. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so glad because that was really rough. It was rough. Yeah. I remember our first phone call. That was, you were struggling. I was. Yeah. And I, you know, it kind of ebbs and flows. I just think, Mm -hmm. as you said, like you, the baby's growing. So you have that weight and pressure constantly and your, your stomach's growing. You have weight on your pelvis. Um, but I feel like one of the most common things I'm hearing or people message me on Instagram is that they have hip pain at night. I think maybe Mm -hmm. because we're we're told to sleep on our side. So then your hips are stacked. Mm -hmm. Um, is there anything else maybe people can do during the day besides keeping the pillow between your legs? Like how do you help that hip pain? Yeah. I love this question because I really feel like there is so much you can do to help your hips throughout the day so that they don't get upset at night. And if you can break that vicious cycle, it is Mm -hmm. so freeing. Um, so first I would say, make sure you get enough movement throughout the day. We say in the physical therapy world that sitting is the new smoking. Sitting is just atrocious. And like you've seen, finding a good chair that fits your specific body is such a mission. So one, I would say sit as little as possible. We've done a great job with different options nowadays. I mean, we have the standing desk. Um, There's so many uh, components to your home office or to your actual office that you can modify. So try not to sit as much as you can. The next thing, and this sort of goes with everything, is have as much muscle mass around your hips as possible. Like have thick, strong muscles. Um, I know a lot of pregnant women are afraid to weight lift. And for sure, you need to be appropriate for that. Um, And I would recommend seeing your local physical therapist who specializes in obstetrics. But hopefully she's challenging you with the exercises that you have. And so if you're in a place where you can't load your muscles with heavy weights, at least go do reps of whatever you're doing until you really feel fatigued. Like you want to make sure you're building muscle. Um, And then I would also strongly recommend a stretching program. Ideally, right before you go to bed, if hip pain is a big issue for you when you sleep, Um, so just some repetitions of open lunges, quad stretches, hip flexor, hamstring, like get every plane of motion with your hips before you go to bed. Even if initially it just gives you an extra hour of pain-free sleep Mm -hmm. and then two hours. And then before you know it, you're like, holy crap, I just slept nine hours. I haven't done that since college. Praise God. Okay. So we've gone over sleeping Mm -hmm. and that the hip pain, let's say someone who works either an office job or at home and they're sit, like they have to sit, they're doing computer work. What's like a, what's a one, like a great position or posture? Like how will you know if you're sitting the proper way? And I don't know, like what are some things people can do posturally that that'll help? Yeah. For those people kind of stuck in a chair, which is so true. It's just real life. Mm -hmm. Um, so one, I would say the 90, 90 rule for hips and knees. So your hips and your knees should be at a right angle. Ideally, your feet are resting on the floor. And it's if your feet are touching the floor and your knees are higher than your hips, you need to either raise your seat of your chair or put a cushion. 
If you're sitting in your chair and your feet are kind of dangling and you notice you're always propping them like on the back of the chair mm-hmm. or a part of the table, you know the chair's too high. So if you can lower the seat, do that or put a book under your feet so that you can maintain that 90-90 at your hips and your knees. Um, the other thing for sitting, make sure you're not sitting on your tailbone. Tailbone sitting is such a chronic thing. Um, and like basically to show you, it's anytime you lean back, anytime yeah. you lean back from that upright position, one, not only are you loading your spine incorrectly, so you're asking certain muscles in your upper back to do things they shouldn't do, but you are literally going from this healthy space. So this is where your pelvic floor lives, right? Like your pelvic floor is between pubic bone, sit bones, and tailbone. As soon as you lean back, you're pushing that tailbone towards your sit bones. And so not only your pelvic floor gets shorter and then it can get tight from that position, but you're loading this space or pressing on this bone that's not designed for weight bearing. It should not be holding your weight at all. You should be sitting on these bones and your thighs. Yeah, I, I'm like laughing a little bit just because when I had to show you my position for work, yes. I'm like, if I'm being honest with you, I literally curl up on the couch. I'm literally hunched over on my back, directly on my tailbone Yep, with my neck bent over, looking at my phone and like doing things on my phone. Obviously I'm on social media. I'm editing videos on my phone. I'm predominantly looking at my phone. Right. So I've really, as you said, been trying to, when I work, have a pillow behind my back, sitting up straight, making sure that my, um, you know, my knees and everything are at a 90 degree angle. Yep. It's definitely helped. Good. I'm so glad. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. The small changes that you make, like we're talking about pillows and sitting upright in a chair and your body is phenomenally happier and it's free right (laughs) absolutely (laughs) absolutely these are like easy changes that anybody can do immediately and experience relief are there any exercises that women shouldn't do while they're pregnant that's a great question yes so there's plenty of things that are not recommended during pregnancy um so typically and this is you know depends on the person for sure, but typically any sport where there's potential for direct blunt trauma to the belly, so anything where there's a ball flying or where your body is flying, um, they don't recommend downhill skiing, they don't recommend deep sea diving. Um, That would be bad. That's just like, we're pretty confident, we don't want you doing that. Um, Truly, aside from those, there's not much that you can't do. And I know there's this common belief and there's, there's a truth to it that if you are already doing some kind of exercise program, you can and should continue it. That is true. There's no reason like, oh, I've been doing CrossFit. I'm pregnant now. I should stop doing CrossFit per se. There's plenty of women who have incompetent cervix or other specific issues with their pregnancy that it would be prudent for them to stop or pause their exercise program. A consequence from that phrase, if you've been exercising, you can keep exercising. They pull the inverse of that and they believe it, which is if you haven't been exercising, you shouldn't start. And that's really not accurate. So any woman that we meet who is like, listen, I've been raising my two kids and I didn't even know I was going to get pregnant. I haven't worked out since 1982, (laughs) but I feel like garbage and I want, like I, I need to exercise. My body's craving it. You can absolutely start while you're pregnant and you should, 
Um, we had a mom call the other day who had signed up for a marathon and she was training and she was kicking butt. And this is like a big goal of hers. It was just so important to her. She wanted to run a marathon before she turned 40. And, um, she called us and she's like, can you support me in this? I just found out I was pregnant, uh, that I'm pregnant. Um, and the race is in three months. And we were like, right. It's, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, of course, part of me is like, so I want you to know that there's another marathon in two years and you can do that. Right. But truly when we partner with these women and their OBs or their midwives are on board with this, they've done their part in the homework and researching, you know, what, um, any concerns with the heart, with the lungs, um, any component medically that might prohibit them from participating in that race. Once that's cleared, we're on board. Like we're like, we are who you should be with because we know what signs to look for to say, Hey, you should stop exercising. Or you know what? Your body's telling us that this is your hard limit or girlfriend. I don't see any reason why you can't run another three miles today. So all that to say, whatever your fitness goal is, you might still be able to achieve it. Even if you're pregnant. I think that the only I, I mean, to run during pregnancy, someone would need to be trying to like abduct me or something. <laughs> Can you, um, I like, I can't, I mean, I even just walking, I feel like so proud of myself. So to any woman who can run during right? pregnancy, amazing, yes. really like, and you don't realize until you're pregnant, Yep. it's because just the weight on your body and the extra yeah. pounding on the pavement, I, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's yes. a whole lot. Yeah. So a marathon. So did she end up doing the marathon? Uh, so actually, I think it was a half marathon, but yes, she did. That's insane. Isn't it insane? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's she's, wild. She's a pretty big deal. So, okay. So I, I think, I feel like what you're saying is like women aren't as fragile when they're pregnant as people think that they are and that we're treated to be, um, of course, like you have to be cautious about certain things. If you have a high risk pregnancy, there are certain things you need to look out for. And obviously like your OB can guide you in that way. But overall, if you're having like a healthy, normal pregnancy, you're not this like fragile creature. Correct. A hundred percent. That is like such a message that we want the world to understand. And truly you're not that fragile and you would actually greatly benefit from continuing to at least condition your body or to strengthen your body, continue to push it. I mean, we don't bring anyone to failure when they're pregnant. So that's to where you work a muscle to the extent that it just can't do that one movement again, it it fails you. We don't do that, but we can push you to where it's burning and you want to stop and we can bring you range of motion wise. We stretch you until you gain mobility. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and people benefit so greatly from that. I think there's also a big issue with Google because yeah. I have realized anytime I Google something like, can you do this while pregnant? Can you eat this while pregnant? Can you drink this kind of tea? Every single thing says, no, you mm-hmm. can't. And everything will say, this will cause a miscarriage. This, you know, you shouldn't have this. And yeah. it's everything from like, I think the other day I Googled, like, can you have papaya or something. And it's like, never eat a papaya while you're pregnant. (laughs) Like the baby will like just horrible things. And I'm like, I think if you like ate a little papaya, you'd be okay. I agree. 
And and then everything from like taking a bath. Like, of course, you have to make sure the temperature isn't too high and, and things like that. But I notice everything I Google, it's like, well, don't do that right. while you're pregnant. And I think right. a lot of it's probably liability, too, is like no one wants to say you can do this. And then maybe something, you know, just coincidentally happens to you or the baby. Um, but do you feel like do you get a lot of women who get like fear from Google? Yes. Oh, 100 percent. Google is a very scary place. And I mean, it's, it's also really hard when it's your body, right? It's how you're feeling. It's your baby. So it's just, it becomes this emotional confusion in your head. Um, and so that is, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's amazing that you can look up literally anything at the tip of your fingers, but then you're so lost with what of this information pertains to me and how. And if it does, what do I do about it? And so that is where, um, you know, a lot of our education to our moms that we work with goes a long way. And the longer I do this, the more myths I learn. And I'm blown away. I'm like, I don't know where you heard that, but I've never heard that before. And I'm going to say it's not accurate. Like, what, what do you think is the most like typical myth? Um, so around the stuff that we mentioned, so like you can't exercise while you're pregnant. I had a mom say to me, I know there's a week in pregnancy where you're supposed to stop exercising, but I can't remember what that is. One week. And I was (laughs) like, zero weeks. Like at no point in time do we recommend a standard, just like stop and lay down. Um, in fact, bed rest is incredibly dangerous. Like that is not a safe place to be. Um, I've had some women be really hesitant about us checking for diastasis in their abdomen mm. while they're pregnant. They're like, is the baby okay? I'm like, absolutely. Your baby is like tucked tight in a water bag. Like your baby is safe beyond what you would think they're safe through. Right. Um, which is funny because then after that, I literally left her and went to another mom who had back-to-back pregnancies. So she had her 15-month-old on her lap while I was working on her neck and that baby was just pounding on her belly like a drum. And she's like, it's okay. He does that all the time. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, so just to say how tough those bellies are. Um, but yes. And then even mom saying, you know, I know with diastasis, I have to eventually get surgery, but is there anything you can teach me before I get my surgery? And we're like, so yes, but I don't know why you think you have to have surgery. Um, Oh, well, I have an eight finger separation. So for sure I have to have surgery. So actually I have a patient who had two pregnancies. And after the second one, I found out she had an eight finger separation. And not only did she get down to a three finger, but she had a whole nother pregnancy and it never went back to that eight finger. And now her baby girl just turned one. Because she was getting physical therapy. Yeah, Yeah. She did all the things. We worked on her bones. We released her soft tissue. She strengthened the heck out of her core. We harped on her about the posture and came back together. Like she's, she's amazing. And that just for people who don't know what that is, again, this is like the coning, like your belly's growing and then your abdominal muscles start to separate. And then, you know, when you sit up, you kind of see this cone start to form. Absolutely. Those six pack muscles just pull apart versus all of the structures from a 3d perspective, slowly stretching equally. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, 
you do have that common myth where people think that the only way to fix it is surgery and not maybe something you can do that's non-invasive like physical therapy and it you know it just takes a little time but right. you can rehabilitate yourself yeah absolutely what are some things that people think are normal during pregnancy but aren't yes i love this question um so we do have women who every day call in and they'll kind of say this comment on the backhand, like, well, I have the normal pains, but then what I noticed is we're like, can we, can we bring it back to that normal pain? Like, tell me more (laughs) because there's actually really no normal pain. Um, we have women who completely believe that they are simply going to pee their pants while they're pregnant or because their mom pees their pants or like they think this incontinence thing is just a simple side effect of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not. Correct. It is not. Yep. That is a sign of dysfunction. And so we do always allow a little caveat, right? Because towards the end, so week 38, 39, 40, 41, there's just so much intra-abdominal pressure. It's really okay if a little something escapes. It right. really is. It's hard to say that you should be completely dry in that last month. And the same is true for immediately postpartum. Especially if you had a vaginal delivery, you should almost expect a little incontinence immediately afterwards for a couple days, up to a week. And what we always say is you should look back each day and be able to say with confidence that it's getting better. So there's this clear improvement with it. And then what about waddling? Yeah. Oh, I love this one. Yeah. So plenty of women think that waddling is normal, that it's a sign of being pregnant or it's a consequence of being in your third trimester, um, and it's actually just a gait deviation. So fancy word for it's a, it's a type of walking that is because of pelvic imbalance, hip muscle imbalance, um, an inability to shift your weight from right leg to left leg without your entire trunk going from side to side. So that is just simply something that we can fix. So And then is there anything like, what's the best exercise for kind of correcting that? The waddling? Yeah. Yep. So typically it's strengthening the hips. And so it would be a combination of abductors. So bringing your leg out to the side, hip rotators, and then really the hip extensors. So your main glute muscles. Um, I don't know if you know, but there's this thing called mom butt. That phrase means that you used to have a butt and then you became a mom and now you have a really flat butt. Yeah. Is that a thing? It's a thing. Oh man. Um, so what causes up. that? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, um, I would say to simplify it, it's twofold. It's the posture of mm-hmm. pregnancy. So where your hips are kind of tucked under you and your ribs are shifted back so that you have space for the belly. Um, and we can definitely demonstrate that. And then it's also, Because you're in that posture, you're bypassing your glutes. So you never fire your glutes the way you used to. You'll overwork your back, your hamstrings. Some moms really rely on their hip flexors and quads. And just like any other muscle, if you don't tell it to work, it atrophies. Just unfortunately, with glutes, it's visible. Now I'm scared I'm going to lose my butt. Yeah, we can hook it up. We'll make sure your glutes stay strong. And, and weak glutes is like the number one killer for pelvic stability. Like if you have a strong set of glutes and they're harmonized, you are so set up for success to have less chances of back pain, hip pain, SI, 
pubic symphysis. So main message is work the booty. Work the booty. Yes. Burn it out. Keep it strong. Keep it flexible. I love that. So in terms of birth prep, let's say someone's getting close to, well, I think birth prep should probably start like sooner than like you're about to go into labor, but what are like, what are some things that all pregnant people should do to prepare for birth? Yes. I love this question. Um, so for being prepared for birth, the main message is movement. So stay as mobile as you can. Um, for some women that looks like walking more specifically, if you're really ready to go, you can walk up and down stairs. Sometimes we say sideways up and down stairs, um, walking on the beach. Um, and then the other component of movement we love is keeping the pelvis moving. So we'll have moms sit on a big stability ball and do hip circles. We recommend belly dancing moves or any kind of movement where you can feel that your ribs and your hips are moving and almost like moving separately and then moving together. So you're keeping that funnel where your baby lives to where your baby's going to come out of fresh and clean. It's mobile. What about... Um what do you call it? Like perineal massage. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love talking about perineal massage for delivery prep. So, um, I'm thrilled that it has so much attention and awareness that the perineal body should be massaged. It is the common tendon for most of your pelvic floor muscles, especially the first layer. So that's that space between the vaginal and the rectal opening. Um, I will say though, that it is just a tendon. And even though it is the space that tends to tear the most frequently, it's a little bit like, say, if you were going to go on a run or like a marathon and you know most runners pull their Achilles tendon, so you just go over here and you grab a heel and you just rub that one spot right there. And you're like, I'm good. I'm not going to tear my Achilles. And it's like, but what about this whole big calf muscle above it? And what about how your quad and hamstring balances? Mm -hmm. And what about how your foot hits the floor? Like... It is important to do that, and we recommend it. But what about all of these muscles that are going to stretch so much? What about, if we parallel it without the muscles, what about these bones that are going to stretch way far apart from each other so that the baby can come out? So really to know that um, the pelvic floor muscles are a group, and so we do want to release the perennial body, but we also want to allow these muscles to stretch. So with your own finger, you can do that massage there. Um, and we have a handout for this. We have a whole course on delivery prep that really walks moms through each step. Um, you can put a clean finger into the lower opening of the vagina and really just stretch downwards towards the perineal body. We do a little right and left, just in a comfortable position where you can relax. You don't want to be tight while if you're you doing this. If you can even reach. If you can even reach. <laughs> yes. Know. Yeah, absolutely. It's the reality. <laughs> it is the reality, yeah. especially in that third trimester. Um, so yeah, we, we have partners do this. It's a part of our delivery prep sessions that we offer. We do all the release work. And then... Um, Following it up with positions and stretches to maintain that mobility is huge. Because just like anything else, someone can come and rub your shoulders and you can feel all oh, loose and relaxed. And then if they leave and you go back to your tense postures and then you start typing and you forget and eight hours pass, that's not going to last you very long. So we want to complement it with positioning and stretches. And you kind of mentioned earlier with your story, the way that they held your legs in delivery did not help you whatsoever. So what are, what's like the best position to give birth in or, you know, cause I feel like 
the way that you actually deliver, like that could cause a lot of trauma if you're in the wrong spot. Yes. Yeah. That is a great question. Um, so the latest research that I read, this one article had summed up all of the research and they had said that the position to push in that causes the least amount of tearing specifically Mm -hmm. is actually sideline, which we were kind of surprised because if you think about it in sideline, this ilium or this hip bone can't move. Mm. And so you're getting all the movement from the top. But if you think about it too, your sacrum is free to move. Whereas when you're laying on your back, this sacrum really can't move. It's blocked. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a couple different things you can do. I pushed out both of my babies laying on my back. You can roll towels on either side of your bum and you'll feel it. You can know that your tailbone can come down because you're raised up a little bit. Um, standing and squatting isn't really recommended. Uh, what I would say over that, because it's hard to relax your pelvic floor in upright. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know moms who have delivered in that position and, and they did great, but I would say, um, what I have seen the next best position is in tall kneeling. So that means you're basically like holding the head of the bed. You, you raise the head of the bed in the hospital, you're holding that and you're on your knees. And so you have gravity to assist you. Nothing's blocking your sacrum or your ischial tubes or your sit bones to come apart. And you can relax because you're leaning forward. Can you do this with an epidural or no? You really can't. No, No. okay. Epidural, for the most part, they have moms um, in a face-up position Mm -hmm. when they have epidurals. And I have heard of them supporting moms in sideline when they have their epidurals. I have not heard of anyone pushing and kneeling or squatting. You can really mimic squatting in the hospital when you put that bar at the foot of the bed and then there's Mm -hmm. that trapeze. So you can bring your head of the bed up pretty far Mm -hmm. and you're almost like in a supported, like an upright sitting position. So that is something that I have seen. I just think, I feel like it's just important to note that I think women, women think that the hospital, they just do things the way they do things and you have no control over what goes on when it's not true. Like you are going there, like it's okay to share your birth preferences and what positions you want to be in. Let them know what you feel comfortable in because uh, they can tell you to be on your back. But if you want to be on your side, if you want to be sta- like you, you're in control of yes. your birth. So yeah. I would just say through everything I've learned and everyone I've talked to, all these specialists, it's really like be your own advocate and speak up for yourself. Like this is your birth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course the hospital has their policies and everything they're going to do if if you are having a hospital birth, but speak up for yourself, be your own advocate. I think you probably wish that you were yours back when you were 27 for your first, your first birth. Yeah. And I think it's amazing this shift that you're mentioning right now, because when I had Marcelo 11 years ago, Nobody told me that. And I didn't feel, I bet if someone told me that, I'd be like, eh, you're probably wrong. Like it just, that culture, that environment wasn't in the hospital. I specifically remember, Danielle, I was laying on one side after they put the Cervidil in and I told the nurse, I'm like, I'm really uncomfortable. Can I lay on my other side? And she looked at me and she's like, you should stay on your left side. And I was like, Girlfriend, I've been on my left side for like three hours. You're telling me I can't roll over? Whereas now, like they're so supportive that you should be moving and changing positions for as long as you can, for as long as you can stay out of that bed. Like they, 
it's been such a culture shift and you're right. There's hospital policies. There's times where they're going to really try to say, Hey, we think this is the safest thing to do for you and your baby right now. But aside from that, they're really starting to become open and supportive. And they're, they're seeing the research, like the C-section rates here are insanely high. And we, especially in South Florida, um, we had a branch of hospitals in Miami reach out to us to partner with them because they're like, we need to show the community that we're doing so much to bring our C-section rate down because it's, it's hard on a reputation when you have double the C-section rate at one specific hospital. Um, so it's definitely a movement and I think women in general are being more informed and I would also recommend having someone else who knows how to be your voice in the moment. Because even with the second delivery, I had times where I was trying to say something that I needed for myself. Right. It just felt like physically impossible. So like what, like a partner, a doula? Yeah. Yeah. Really let them know. Uh, That's why we just love doulas so much because they sit with you. They go through a birth plan and they really ask you questions that you don't know that you need to ask and help you think through decisions before you're in the moment because if you're like seven, eight centimeters and you're transitioning and you're just barely trying to breathe, you might not be able to say, hey, I want you to sit me up or hey, keep me over the toilet so I can be in that open leg position. Like whatever it is, talk it through ahead of time because it might just be legit challenging to speak up for yourself in the moment. For sure. Amen. Heck yeah. I guess to wrap up, you also specialize in physical therapy postpartum. One, what are like the most common issues postpartum? And two, how do you go about helping that? Helping them. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's a great question. So yes, we love the postpartum care. And this is really why we ended up going the home health route is because it's just so hard to get out of the house once you have that baby. I mean, most days it's going to be hard to feed yourself enough and take a shower. So making appointments feels impossible. Um, so we help moms one, just simply recover from birth because it's such an event, whether it was C-section or vaginal, you grew that baby over almost a year and then it's one day gone. And so there's so much instability, so many changes. Um, when they do call us with problems, it would be in the similar categories. So pain, whether that's back Mm -hmm. pain, hip pain, your actual pelvic floor hurts, um, pain at the C-section site, And then dysfunction. So I can't keep my pee or my poop in or I'm farting without notice. Um, And then once they're cleared, they're having pain with intercourse. And so that's super common with postpartum. And that's another myth too, is that a lot of moms who have had C-sections don't feel like they should have any pain with intercourse. They're like, but nothing happened down there. When Actually, your pelvic floor carried a baby to term, and sometimes, so there's, we break up pain with intercourse into two categories. It's either pain with initial penetration mm-hmm. or with the deep thrusting component. Um, and so for us as pelvic floor PTs, we can fine tune our treatment based on that. So like, say if it's pain with penetration, then one, we're going to make sure that we move those bones because if they're stuck in the common birthing pattern then those pelvic floor muscles are just so stretched. Mm -hmm. So we can bring those back down. Um, And then if it's pain with the deep thrusting, especially with a C-section, you might have scar tissue that's not moving. And so your uterus is literally just kind of stuck to your abdominal wall, and there's no space or freedom to have intercourse. Got it. Yeah, so that would be like scar release. So 
physical therapy. It's not just for during pregnancy, but it's, it's very helpful postpartum. And I'm sure really speeds up that recovery process that typically, I mean, for you, it took a really long time. So if you are in South Florida, tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so we hang out most on Instagram. Uh, we have a website painless-pregnancy.com. Um, we do always want to do a quick phone call with our moms, especially because what we do is different. We want to make sure you really need physical therapy and we don't have to talk to your doctor first. Um, and then we want to make sure that you're okay with the home care. And so, um, you can call us, you can email us, all that information is on the website or I can say it here, whatever works. And what is your social handle? I'll link it, but you can. You okay. Can yep. We're at painless pregnancy on Instagram, painless pregnancy. And what's your website? Uh, painless pregnancy.com. Perfect. And if someone isn't in the South Florida area, you do have some like online and telehealth offerings as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We have a full delivery prep course that we offer. Um, and then we do telehealth visits. Um, and then we are putting out very soon our pregnant and postpartum, just like a general wellness program. Amazing. And if you want someone in person and you're not in South Florida, make sure that you find a physical therapist who would you say specializes in pregnancy and postpartum and pelvic floor. Yep. And pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. This was so informative and so helpful. And I mean, I could sit here and ask you a million questions, but this was awesome. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. So much fun. Appreciate it.